Hello and welcome to the Categorically Romance podcast. I'm Aaron and Brie is busy with some job hunting stuff today, so we will miss her, but we wish her good luck. But today we are recording our Temptation April Books Club episode, and I am joined by two lovely authors, Brittany Joy. Welcome for your first time on the podcast. It's so great to have you. Thank you so much for having me. I I'm so excited to be on here. I am a, a very loyal listener. I've been listening since the first episode, so I was, oh my gosh. yeah, I was thrilled to to um, be invited to join. I love your podcast. Well, we're thrilled to have you here, and we love the emails that you've been sending us for a while now. So glad to finally have you on the podcast. And we are also joined by author Joanne Rock. Joanne, welcome back to the podcast. So great to have you back. I am thrilled to be here again. Thank you so much. I had a blast the last time that we spoke. I love the show and I love talking about category romance all the time, whether it's, you know, my category or somebody else's category. Series romance has been a just, you know, kind of lifelong fun thing for me. So I'm very excited to talk about it. Super excited to chat with both of you about our theme today. But first, let's talk about you both a bit. Uh, Brittany, this month you had Rescued in Maple Bay come out on April 10th. Finished it last night. I loved it. So oh, how does it feel to, to have this book out? Oh, it it feels great. Um, this is, so I, I'm an indie author, so I self-publish um, my works and I have a sweet romance series called Maple Bay and Rescued in Maple Bay is actually the prequel to the series um and i have three books the first three books uh have come out in the last two years um and so it was very interesting i actually had the idea for the prequel after i wrote the first three books so it was it was really fun to go back and um write this story and use some of the characters that i was already super familiar with from the first three books um as side characters in the prequel so it feels good to have it out there and um, I'm excited to share it. So thank you very much for reading it. Yeah, of course. And even though it's a prequel, you you still worked in that that tease about the the fourth book coming out. That's Jesse's book. Is that correct? Yes. Jesse's book is actually the first book. Oh, is it? Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um, Rescued in Maple Bay, um, I tried to feature Jesse. Um in there because his his love story is the first book which is starting over in Maple Bay and he's a single dad cowboy I've had horses all my life so I love to write about horses and cowboys and animals <laughs> in my romances well it definitely comes through and it makes a, I love having animals in my romance books so definitely yeah. great reading there me too thank you and Joanne, you had Rebel Rodeo, or Rodeo Rebel, excuse me, that came out in February. That was the first book in your Kingsland Ranch Desire series for Harlequin. And then next month on the Harlequin website, uh, the Ranchers Plus One is going to be available. What can you tell us about this latest series? Well, thank you for mentioning my series, because I also did a Texas Cattlemen Club um, for April that was Make Believe Match. So that was my most recent release. But of course, you know, that's a Harlequin series, which are mm -hmm. 
fun for their own reason. But my Kingsland Ranch series is my own series where I get to come up with the whole idea. And I did an inheritance drama where a father with um, a couple of, well, all biological kids, but by different people and at different times in his life. Um, and he cut a couple of them out of the will. So it's the brothers trying to make peace with their dysfunctional upbringing, as well as settle out the actual inheritance. Um, so, you know, each book is one of the brothers' stories. And I really, you know, it's a fun premise, especially for Desire, where they do kind of lots of billionaires and, and the readership really enjoys ranches. Um, so I was able to merge those two things together and um, really had a lot of fun with it. And Levi's book is next, The Ranchers Plus One. And he will be um, trying to fix the family's um, tattered image after the the damage that the dad did to it. So um, I'm having a lot of fun with that. And it came on the heels of my Return to Catamount series last year, which was when a series of sisters inherited a ranch. Um, and that was a little bit different, a little smaller scale where it was a physical ranch they inherited. But I you know, when I find an idea that I love, I like to, you know, flip it over and work it another way. So this time I did the brothers and an inheritance drama in another way and hope that readers are patient with me as I follow the things that I find fun and exciting. Oh, yes, I'm sure they will be definitely, um, definitely a desire theme there with the rich rancher and, and the inheritance and everything. So definitely. Very succession kind of feeling. Yes, yes, definitely. Well, can we chat about Desire for just a little bit here? Because the word has gotten around that Desire is going to be ending. Did you, as one of the big authors for the Desire line, did you have any idea this was this was coming? Kind of. Um, and they don't say it's ending. They say it's evolving. Um, mm -hmm. I enjoy looking at the Harlequin website to see how they discuss things. So that's the uh -huh. official line is that it's evolving into a program that is yet to be named that is a new sexy contemporary program. So that's still taking shape and there will be something in place of desire. Um, so readers should be excited to look for what that's going to, to look like. But yeah, sadly, it is the end of um, desire as we know it, I guess I shall say. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, Yes, I, I knew category romance, I think, is going through some kind of growing pains at this point in time, um, not just desire, but a lot of lines as readers look for different things. I think, um, you know, younger readers, especially, we kind of missed out getting them, helping them jump and transition into series romance. And I think series romance has a lot of great things that new adult age readers will adore, but I don't know that category romance it is um, packaged to them in a way that's appealing to them properly. So I think we're all kind of working on how do we share these great stories with them in a way that they're going to find, they're going to find them. Yeah, absolutely. Bree and I are always talking about, well, doing this podcast and like, how do we, how do we package an episode to try and get some new readers into, into mm -hmm. reading these category lines and, and realizing that there's a lot uh, to offer uh, just about any reader. Yes. And as I look back at Temptations, Aaron, I am struck by how modern they still feel in so many ways. You know, yes, you have your occasional uh, heroine setting up her new phone messaging system or, you know, something <laughs> that's, a, that's a little bit older sounding. But the premises 
and and the tone are just so fun and sexy and uh you know i think they're still really super relatable absolutely I agree too. I actually had to look at um, the one that I read for the temptation line. I had to look at the copyright to see what year it was because there weren't any, and it was, it was uh, published in 2000. Um, but there weren't any glaring red flags to me while I was reading it that, that dated it other than the cover covers a little, was a little dated, but um, the story I loved. I absolutely love the temptation covers though i love i love the the painted art style and just the they're so over the top but i just there's just something about it that i just love i do too i you know to me it's everything everything category um but of course you know we love the genre so we love to look back and and see those kinds of things and really they had many many different kinds of covers but i would say the painted era was when temptation was really riding high and at its most popular were the the painted covers it reminds me of posters that i like had in my bedroom yeah growing yeah. <laughs> up i can see that all right well let's get into temptation Bree was great enough to write up some notes for me here so a little bit of history on the line debuted in march 1984 and book one was spring fancy by hope i pronounce this right lavero spencer and so Around this time, just some pop culture things that were happening. 1982, Madonna released her first single, Everybody, and in 1984, released Like a Virgin. Janet Jackson released her Control album in 1986. Some cultural things happening. The female-to-male ratio of annual earnings of full-time workers increased to 60.2% in 1980 and would continue to rise. As women wages, as women's wages increased, more women were motivated to to go to work and support themselves instead of relying on their husband. More women were working in high-paying professional and managerial jobs. So the 80s was a, a decade of a lot of firsts for women. Uh, Sally Ride was the first woman in space. Sandra Day O'Connor was the first woman to serve on the Supreme Court. Geraldine Ann Ferrero was the first woman to run for vice president. And Oprah Winfrey was the first African-American woman to host a talk show. Lots of um, just new things happening for women or women breaking a lot of boundaries that, that they were still held to in the 60s, 70s. I'm speaking to this as a 1983 baby, so... <laughs> 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 I I can't speak to anything personally, but it just seems like there was a big shift in culture for women around around those times. I'm excited that Brie mentioned um, Madonna because that to me that's very. I'm a you know was a teenager in the '80s, so that all really speaks to me. And you know, Madonna was such a cultural touch point for voicing. <laughs> Um, women's sexuality, um, embracing women's sexuality in a way that really hadn't been before. In you know, she was so very vocal about that. And, and I think we see that reflected in Temptation big time. Um, so many of the premises are very, um, very focused on, you know, women's sexual pleasure in a way that, uh, you know, other lines didn't necessarily do. Yes, there is a steamy component but temptation really brought the sexiness to the fore with an, an emphasis on that, that this is good and this is fun and we're here and we're ready to enjoy it. And I, I think that is really in keeping with a lot of other things that were going on in the 80s. 
Yeah, I love it. I love the um, all the history that you just shared, Erin. It makes me want to go back and read one of the first Temptations now, or at least something in from the '80s, because I would love to see how the characters, especially the the, the heroines, are portrayed in the '80s versus you know, the one that I that I read. I read just a little fling um, by Julie Kissler, I believe is mm-hmm. how you pronounce mm-hmm. her last name, yep. um, which I loved, and that was yeah, looks like it was published in 2000. Um, and granted. When I think about that now, that was that was 23 years ago. It doesn't seem like it was that long ago to me. So I guess 23 years is um, pretty dated as well. But I um, I loved how they how uh, Julie just portrayed her her heroine um, as just this fun, quirky, independent um, woman. And so uh, now I'm really curious to see how they how the heroines are portrayed in the 80s. So I'm gonna have to put that on my list to look through some of the earlier temptations and find one to read. Yeah, yeah. So uh, it actually got a bit more here that really goes into the the points that you were making, uh, Joanne. So the final book or one of the final books was Her Last Temptation by Leslie Kelly. So in 2000, in June 2005, and the first Blaze book, Notorious by Vicki Lewis Thompson, released in August 2001. And so there's a four-year overlap of that. But I know I have a few Temptation books that were Temptation with the subtitle of Blaze. So I think there was a bit of blending even before Blaze became its own line. Absolutely. Um, I have in front of me one of Stephanie Bond's Temptation Blazes called Too Hot to Sleep. And it was, you know, Temptation to the Next Level. Uh-huh. And the miniseries of Blaze within Temptation did so well that they decided to spin off and Blaze would be its its own series. And that kind of um, helped end Temptation, which was which was really sad. We had hoped mm-hmm. that there was room for both things, but there there wasn't. Um, but yeah, I wrote some Temptation Blazes as well. And it was just, you know, fun, modern, sexy with a double dose of sexy. It, you know, they had the kind of a fiery um, font for Blaze so that you knew what you were looking for. And in, in fact, I um, started writing contemporary romance pre-published. Um, I would look, that's the line I was looking at, Temptation and specifically the ones that had the brand on it that said blaze because I wanted the hotter the better those were the ones that I thought were super fun um super hot and sexy so when I would go to the used bookstore I would pull down not just all the temptations but I had to have all the temptation blazes oh yeah yeah that's it that's thank you for filling us in there I always wondered about that what what triggered the the transformation because there were a few other uh, su- subtitled temptations, like there's Temptation Heat. I don't know if that was just uh, a precursor to the Blaze title uh, that was happening there, but I think Heat came after Blaze. Once they decided Blaze was going to be a mini series, they didn't want to confuse oh, things, so uh-huh. they started calling what would have used to been a Temptation Blaze. They started calling it a Temptation Heat, since Blaze was now going to be its own series. I'm pretty sure how that's how that shook down. Okay. Okay. So some commentary here about the temptation line. So from a February 20th, 1999 article online called Fantasy Isle, 
uh, Harlequin romance novels steam through 50 years of changing mores. One reader shared in regards to Temptation, which at the time was by far the steamiest Harlequin. It's all about sex. I don't have to go through 300 pages to get to a page that's hot and heavy. Uh, this is followed by the head of a popular culture library at Bowling Green State University at the time, Allison Scott. There aren't that many things out there that speak just to women's fantasies and women's sense of desire for amusing, entertaining engagement. So St Scott concluded that the books offered wiggle room for readers uh, to play around with gender roles and who's on top. The woman always wins. Every career conflict is resolved in the heroine's favor. Every love triangle lands a dream lover at her feet. And a quote from the great Vicki Lewis Thompson, who wrote for Temptation and a lot of Blazes as well. In the late 70s and early 80s, there was a whole new concept that came through the industry that reflected what was happening with women. Harlequin decided to offer women's stories closer to the way women were living. Thompson says, for one thing, we didn't close the bedroom door anymore. Women were having committed relationships with the hero but we do have consummated love scenes most of the time before the marriage vows and even the proposal. So I came to romance later in my life and I haven't read really much before 1980. So I can't really speak to what the trends were with intimate scenes and books and things like that, but it seems like temptation kind of broke a wall down when it comes to that kind of thing. I, I would agree very much with that. And I, I think too, that there's, um you know, why it still feels very modern to me. And I really appreciate the the quote from the, the Bowling Green pop culture person um, about women's sexuality, because I, I very much agree with that and how temptation, you know, put that in the forefront. Um, and, and I love the bit about not having to go through 300 pages to find a hot one. <laughs> that's, that's fantastic. <laughs> and that's what, absolutely what we're going for. But that's that's part of, you know, you know what you're getting. And I think it's very much, you know, today, Tessa Bailey does that so incredibly beautifully with her rom-coms that are so sizzling hot sexy that you, you know, you know, right right away going into it, you are getting a hot, hot book. And, and I think temptation predates that with the, you know, kind of funny, a lot of them had had a humor component, mm -hmm. not all of them, but but certainly many of them did, um, you know, that we we had all enjoyed just a little fling and certainly Stephanie Bonds and, and Leslie Kelly's a lot of them would have a humorous component. Jill Chalvis wrote for the line. And, you know, Jill has that same kind of light touch with characterization, um, that, that humor component, but heartwarming as well. Um, but always sexy, 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 sexy that we, you know, it just really um, unabashedly embraced that. And, and I think readers and, and the authors really enjoyed that because it, it was new and different. I love that. And um, I actually have a question for you guys, because this is, this is the very first temptation that I have ever read the just a little fling for me. I think it was, it was the perfect steam level I wasn't sure because it was the first temptation I've ever read. I wasn't sure exactly what to expect as far as, as steam level. But if I were to give this one, I don't know, a rating between zero and 10, as far as steam, I would have put it maybe at like a four or a five. And I didn't know if that was kind of like just a little playing is a good example of the steam level across the board in temptation or are most temptations a little bit more on the steamy side? I, 
I would say that um, some of the the feel that, you know, it got a kind of lower sensuality rating in your meter is because of what we read today. I, I think sexy books have gotten much hotter since we were writing at the time, you know, consider that temptation then was the hottest line. And I think that just speaks to culturally what we've gotten more and more comfortable with. Um, you know, think about the songs on the radio, the, the kind of concepts that, or words you never would have used um, 25 years ago that today are so commonplace, we, we don't blink. And so I think some of that is just a, a time passing that what was super sexy then is, you know, on a, on a softer level now. Um, but also, um, I, I think that that book is a little bit on the, the lower scale for hot. You know, there are certain authors that you always look to, Carly Phillips, um, Janelle Dennison, uh, that, that always wrote on the hotter side for temptation. And, and that's where I kind of landed personally, too. So I tend to think about it in that way. But there certainly was a range in um, sensuality levels. Very yeah. interesting. You know, it's funny, just a little fling was the first temptation that I read as well. And mm -hmm. I gotta tell you, it was a cover read for me. Like I had just kind of gotten into Harlequin category and I, I was researching the lines, you know, looking at different stuff I found at uh, used bookstores and things like that. And I just came across that cover and it's just, it was just so great. Like just the two characters like on the bed just looking like they're having a great time and of course fiery redhead but it was it was such a, a good introduction to the line I feel like it just it was so great and I've just really fallen in love with that sub series that it was part of the the wrong bed series because it's it's just such a fun trope that the authors played with so much within uh, within that series but I, I'm really glad you started with that one Brittany. Oh, I had, I loved it so much. And I was so thankful for, you know, both of you when we were emailing uh, before the show, because I, I really wasn't sure where to start. And um, you had both mentioned just a little fling. And as soon as I looked at it and then read the the blurb, I was like, uh, yep, one click. Um, and so I really, really enjoyed it. And I love too on the cover how it says uh, wrong bed because that's just, that's such a, I mean, the one bed trope is such a fun trope. So I was really excited for that too. And, you know, the story really starts off with a bang right when the heroine ends up, you know, accidentally in the, the hero's uh, hotel room. So I, I loved it so much. Yeah, I, I really liked in that one that, that that situation could get pretty questionable for a, a lot of readers today of, oh, ended up in the wrong hotel room. But I feel like it was addressed really well that they both realized right away. It's like, you're not the person I was expecting. But both of them are like, well, I'm not complaining. So let's just let's just go ahead and do this. Totally. Yes, they they did. And I, I didn't think it was addressed really well, too, because really in the morning after when they suddenly, you know, both kind of realized, which is kind of amazing that they <laughs> didn't realize <laughs> that they were in the wrong bed um, overnight while, while they were having all their fun. They were both attracted to each other and noticed each other at the at um, her stepsister's wedding before they ended up in the wrong bed. So um, yeah, the same, I thought the same thing too. They were like, well, this is, this is not so bad, you know? This is pretty great, actually. Oh, I loved that. 
think it would be so fun to have a history of wrong bed concepts, like just a list of all the ways that the authors twisted that concept to cover, you know, to, to do a premise, because I've seen it done so, so many ways. And I think that's half the fun of a wrong bed. Like, how is the author going to do it? How are we, you know, we love that idea. And you would think there's only so many ways to do it. But my goodness, authors get so creative with what they bring to, you know, how to make it be a wrong bed story and yet have it be different from the other many wrong beds that have come before it. But yeah, it's a, it's a great premise. That's a really good point because I did notice that too, because it's part, so it's part of a wrong bed series, right? And because I was looking at that and I was thinking the same thing too, like how, <laughs> How um, do you get your characters in that situation um, for that many books? Because this one was done really, I, I really liked how it was set up, you know, because Lucy, that the heroine is at her horrible stepsister's Scottish themed crazy wedding. You know, she ends up, she's one of the bridesmaids and ends up colliding in the bathroom with one of the other bridesmaids and they have the same purse um, because they're all matchy matchy. And so that was like the perfect, you know, setup for the switching of hotel keys um, and how Lucy ends up in Ian's hotel room. But I was thinking the same thing. I was like, how, how can you come up with so many ways to end up in the wrong bed? <laughs> you wouldn't think there would be so many I have one of my my fourth temptation was a wrong bed story and I did a blind date and made the hero figure out as he was watching uh, a woman who was in a bar and seemed way out of her element and her comfort zone and when he realized that she was waiting for someone he couldn't help but you know, play protector, just pretended to be her blind date so that he could run interference for her. And, you know, that's not cool. And yet we're in his head and we know why it's cool. And, it, you know, we kind of give him a pass because we know that he's concerned about her, that she's, you know, could be a potentially dangerous place um, right. at this, this nightclub. And as it gets late at night and, um, you know, she just seems not well-versed in taking care of herself, that kind of street sense that some people have. And the radar that some people have, he's he's worried that she doesn't. Sooner or later, he's got to fess up that he is not the man, but things end up, he puts it off for a while because she she's ready for a sexy adventure and she's kind of put the pedal to the floor as far as that goes um, because she's very attracted to her blind date. Um, and she's she's wanting something to happen and he's trying to be noble and he can't take advantage of her because he's got to come clean about who he is. And he does, but it's it's not too easy when she's um, pushing her her sexy agenda with him very, very much. So that was that was fun for me, the the blind date. And I think that's still, um, you know, that could still happen today with how many times people are are meeting on match or on Tinder or, you know, whatever. They're in a bar looking for a person X that they've been texting with and somebody else could easily pretend to be person X. If you, you know, haven't known them for that long, or you just have been starting to text with them that night. So I think that's still a, you know, a concept that could be fun to play with. Yeah, yeah absolutely. What's the name of that one, Joanne? That's One Naughty Night. And um, it was 
not only a wrong bed, it was also part of my single in South Beach series that was set in Miami. And I did four blazes and two temptations. I ran one series through both Harlequin lines because I was writing for both of them at the time. And um, yeah, One Naughty Night was just a super fun book. Well, Brittany, can I ask you this? So you said this was the first temptation that you've you've ever read um you, you say you've you've listened to to all of our episodes when did you get into category series romance and what was your perception just on seeing the temptation line yeah absolutely so um the note that you made earlier in the podcast how you and Brie are trying to you try to think of different ways to bring you know new readers introduce them to harlequin well you guys were my introduction Oh, that's so good to hear. Uh, yes, to Harlequin. So I ran across your podcast because I am a huge Hallmark fan. And Brie was on um, Hallmarkies, I believe. Hallmarkies. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, she was on there and she was talking about um, the new podcast. And I thought, oh my gosh, this sounds, you know, fabulous because I love, I mean, anything romance I love listening to talking about, I love, you know, hearing breakdowns, uh, you know, what readers love about plots and characters. Um, I love your interviews that you guys do with authors, because I love hearing about different writing processes and, and how story ideas came to be. And so your podcast was what got me um, to read my first uh, Harlequin book. And I've always known about Harlequin, but I guess I I didn't really fully understand what Harlequin was about. And as I was listening to your podcast, I loved how the books, um, the different lines are really branded and like, it's the same type of story. So if I'm picking up, you know, say a heartwarming or um, a temptation, then then as a reader, I really know what to expect of that story. And I don't think that's always the case in a lot of traditional publishing. Oftentimes, you know, I may pick up, maybe I pick up a rom-com at Barnes and Noble or, or something, and, and I'm not really sure what the steam level is in it. And sometimes, you know, covers covers are very deceiving. And and um, I really appreciate that I know what I'm getting into when I pick up a story because I love reading all different types of steam levels, but sometimes I really want a very sweet, you know, a very sweet story. And sometimes I really want something spicy. And so understanding that the different lines are um, very specific, I was super excited about that. So I am definitely a Harlequin newbie, but you guys introduced me to it. So I really, really appreciate um, your podcast and I, I gobble it up. I listen to it while I, um, while I walk. And then also, um, cause I have horses, I'm always doing stuff in the barn. So cleaning stalls and whatnot. So I listen to it while I'm in the barn as well. It's super fun. And the temptation, I wasn't sure what to expect from the temptation line. Like I said, when I picked it up and um, honestly, the just a little fling was so perfect for me because it, it honestly really reminded me of uh, like a nineties rom-com movie, which I wish we had more of all the time because I feel like that is like the, the best 
decade for rom-com movies. And so like, I just laughed and giggled through the whole book and I loved it. Yeah, it definitely had a, a just great comedy element to it. I mean, I'm just yeah. thinking back of so many moments in that book. And it was, it's been like a year or something since I read it last, but just so many standout moments of, of just great comedy in it. Julie really took advantage of every every time to give you like a, a little giggle. I mean, I loved, I loved even just the Lucy, the heroine, the company that she's, you know, trying to <clears throat> get from her as an inheritance from um, her father previously was a women's lingerie company. And then she is turning it into um, like more boxers for well-endowed, you know, men. And it's called Pandora's boxers. And like, every time that came on the page, I was, I just laughed. (laughs) I I read this book when it came out and I probably reread it a few years after that. And I just, I mean, I remembered it so well all these years later to be able to, you know, reference this is one of the things that I just, it was so laugh out loud often, you know, page after page that was just so fun. But I I appreciate your comment about, you know, seeing it as a rom-com. It's absolutely such a visual, visual book. You know, somebody should take it to Netflix and say, let's revisit some of this. Um, oh my gosh. Oh, yeah. Let's see this. I want to see this on the screen. Oh, I would love that. And I, I loved how the the hero was, you know, portrayed too, because he's not really like Lucy is gets most of the giggles in, in the book. Like she's funny and quirky. And the hair that the hero, Ian, his like immediate protectiveness of her and um, kind of how he sees how she's being treated um, by her family, which my goodness, like her stepsister, stepmom, and dad are just like horrible characters in this book. Um, I mean, not but like I just dislike I disliked them. I was like, oh gosh, save her from you know her family, uh-huh. and and he you know steps in, you know as soon as he sees that and you know pretends that they're dating in order to protect her. And I just I just liked his his protective protectiveness of her immediately throughout the book, but it wasn't over the top either i just think of that moment where she opens his hotel room door in the morning and it's like i just need to get out of here and the whole family yeah. is right outside the door and she's in like just a t-shirt <laughs> and, and yeah i love that he just he just steps up to to support her and and just yeah throws throws it in it's like oh no actually we've we've been dating but we didn't want to overshadow the wedding yes i love good that cover good cover uh, yeah. <laughs> well, Joanne, you mentioned in uh, some emails we exchanged that the temptation line was your inspiration to write contemporary romance. Had you just been into the writing the historicals by the time that you had had gotten into temptation? Uh, tell us, tell us your your temptation origin story. I guess. Okay, I. I was writing historicals. I love historicals. I love historicals to this day. I've written about 10 of them, um, full length books, and then, you know, some shorter pieces for that were undone's Harlequin historical short pieces that were digital. So, um, and I love medievals, you know, knights. And once you study a period, that's all you want to write about for me, Mm. because, you know, you have to immerse yourself so much in the language and um, you know, the clothes and the armor and the everything is so period specific that I was 
just deep in that medieval world and loving it. And I came across a, a romance writers report, the RWA magazine that went out monthly to writers and wannabe writers of romance. And there was a, you know, state of the industry kind of pie chart that showed, you know, 76% of all romances bought are contemporary. And then there's this other little section that's historical and paranormal and time travel. And I felt like maybe, you know, I've got the odds stacked against me. Like, you know, maybe it's not that I'm not a good enough writer. It's just that I'm not writing in the most popular thing. Like, what if I wrote a contemporary? Um, and I read contemporary uh, and I read Temptation. Uh, that was my favorite Harlequin series. I had been a very faithful Harlequin Temptation reader. So I thought, okay, I'm going to try this, like just for fun and different. Cause I was getting frustrated. You know, I was getting so close to a sale and um, you know, people would say, well, revise and resubmit. And it's just, it's a hard time in a career um, to be like close, but not there yet. It's very daunting. And I think, you know, part of the impetus to try a contemporary was just to like, you know, not fixate on, because I felt like I had fixed all I could on my historicals and I wasn't getting anywhere. So I saw the pie chart and I said, I'm going to write a, a contemporary and just see what happens. And I wouldn't say it's, it wasn't easy because writing is never easy, but there was just a freedom to the language where I didn't have to think so hard about how, you know, a he the hero would talk like my husband. I, I didn't have to think about, you know, what a knight would say. It was, you know, I could use the modern language and it just flowed. And I also ripped exactly the conflicts that I have in my own marriage. You know, I am, I'm a Virgo. He's an Aries. Like the, the story writes itself, the kind of uptight woman, the, the fiery male personality. I, I just took it all from exactly my life. And it, it was much easier for me and fun. Um, it was really, really fun. And I right away thought this, this is going to work. This is going to be something that is going to happen. And um, I showed the material to Brenda Chin, who was the temptation editor at the time. And she said, I want to see more of this. Keep, keep it coming. You know, I don't know about this for sure, this one, but like, I want to see the next one. And, and she bought my blaze first and then a temptation from me because blaze was a Brenda actually called me and she said, I think you'd be great for this blaze line um, that we're starting. And, you know, I'd like you to send me some chapters for that too. So I got both for both series at the same time and just, you know, burst into tears. And then it was a whole thing. <laughs> it, was, it made my life. It's so life changing to go from, you know, I want this, I want this, I want this so badly. And, and being on the verge for years to like, we love it. We want all the stuff that you can write. And other writers would laugh at me like, oh, you're in the honeymoon phase because I was just so excited to have sold books and to have editors want my story and know that they thought readers wanted my stories. And it, the honeymoon phase, it never stopped. I mean, I, I have never stopped being so over the top excited to get to share stories because it's what a fun thing it is to do, to sit around and dream up fun stories to share with other people. So I, I love it. And, you know, give Blaze and Temptation all the credit for, for buying my early books. And eventually I, I went back and figured out other things and I enjoyed the, you know, writing historicals and I went on to do that too. But 
short contemporary romance was really a great fit for me. It was just so natural and, and effortless and I have loved it. It's been the, the mainstay of my career ever since. We are we are glad to have you here, definitely. I love that. So how many temptations did you write, Joanne? Five. Um there were I would have loved to have written more. I dreamed of writing many, many more. Um, but I, I wrote five of them and they came out, I think, you know, two one year and three the next year or vice versa, um, or maybe like two, two, one, but they right away were wanting inventory for blaze. So mm-hmm. more of my stories were getting pushed over into the blaze arena right on, you know, so my very first book was, Oh, actually it was a temptation. Um, it was a temptation, but then two blazes and then another temptation and a couple blazes. It's, you know, that's what they were really buying was trying to get uh, writers in their blaze program. So that was lucky for me too, that it was a, you know, kind of a soft spot as they were building um, a stable of authors for this new program. Yeah. Yeah. And it seems like, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but my assumption of what's going on with the temptation line, as far as what's still available on the Harlequin website, um, is I think just a lot of rights are in transition or have already transitioned. I I know that there's, um, quite a few authors that have re-released like Jill Chavez, like you had mentioned, um, their temptations, they got their rights back and have re-released them just for themselves because I could only find um, her final fling of yours when I was going through what was what, what right. was available on the on the Harlequin website. Yes, and I I have gotten some rights back to those because they're you know they're twenty years old now, so they <laughs> and they they have been the rounds um, overseas and and in North America. So the nice thing about that is that we can you know put a new cover on it, dust it off, you know, take out references to she got a new phone messaging system (laughs) and things like that. Um, You know, and and in the blind date, maybe have them meet on a, on a digital website and just, you know, kind of tweak those little things. And then I think there's going to be all new audiences that will still really love those stories for the authors who have the time and, and wherewithal to put them out and and give them a new life. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, so for this episode, I was really trying to get a a former um, Temptation author on. So again, thank you, Joanne, for responding almost immediately to my email. That meant so much. My (laughs) pleasure. I'm so excited to talk Temptation. Yeah. But I put a lot of lines out there, or as many as I could, because it seems like you said these books are 20 years old at this point, that uh, I was was having a lot of uh, trouble just finding authors that were still active, at least under the names that they used to write for, for temptation. Um, does it seem like with the end of the line that that just was, uh, I don't know, some of the, I, I'm not sure what the networking was like in the author community amongst the line at that point, but it, it seems like a lot of these authors have just moved on to other things. Absolutely. And, you know, we, the temptation authors, a uh, core group of us actually stayed very close for years and years. And, and there's still some of us on a loop that get together and say hi for one another's birthdays and do yearly catch-ups of you know what's been going on with one another because we we were all very active as a group long ago back in the day so it's kind of fun to touch base with them once a year on on people's birthdays and find out what they're up to but they you know julie kenner is on there and she's she's a huge huge best-selling author 
um, Carly Phillips, Vicki Lewis Thompson. There's there's so many people who have have continued on as romance luminaries in mm-hmm. other configurations since starting there. So a lot of great talent at Temptation. Well, let's let's talk about the books, Brittany. You, you, did you have any more you'd like to share about uh, Just a Little Fling by Julie Kistler? No, I just loved it. I just loved, um, you know, I appreciated also that the the heroine, it was her, you know, Lucy, it was her 30th birthday on her stepsister's wedding. So I appreciated that the the characters were a little bit older because I have noticed, I don't know if I have grown, grown um, kids. My boys are in their early twenties. And I noticed, because I I have um, two adults, young adult, a contemporary, a contemporary young adult line and a fantasy line as well. And that's where I really started. And I I did notice as I watched my boys get older and go through their teenage years, I think my pers my perspective mm-hmm. kind of changed a lot. <laughs> and now I really appreciate, you know, being able to pick up a romance and not necessarily read about a heroine who's 21 or 22. Um, I, I appreciate having a little bit older, you know, 30s, 40s um, plus. So I really, I really liked that, that she was, you know, sort of 30th birthday. And um, I loved the wedding theme um, and all the, you know, havoc that ensues with family and everything there too. I'd say the the only thing I wish that there was a little bit more of, I wanted an epilogue because I wanted to see, you know, I'm, I don't want to spoil anything for anybody who reads it, but the grand gesture, you know, I loved at the end and um, the present that Ian gives her. And I wanted to see an epilogue where they used um, the present that he gives her. So that was the only thing I wished for more. We always want an epilogue. Right? <laughs> well, has there ever been a book where you feel like, you know, you wouldn't want an epilogue? I just, mm-hmm. for me, that's like the icing on the cake every time. Yeah. And sometimes I know as an author, I'm so exhausted at the end of the book. I think I can't even think about an epilogue. But yeah. I, like, I like to turn in a book. This is my ideal. I turn in a book without an epilogue. And then while my editor's reading it, I'm recovered from it. And then by the time I go back and look at the edits, I want to write the epilogue then because I'm reading the story then too, as I, as I edit it. And then it's like, I've had enough time pass where I can picture it. I have enough separation. I kind of love the couple again, because you know, by the time you get to the end of the book, you're, ah, these people, um, you know, like, and it's, you want to write the epilogue when you're loving them and just to kind of give them that grace note of like let's see them in their happy after happily ever after how is it spin out I love that piece of a oh of gosh. a book yes I love that idea it is funny that you say that I'm actually writing I'm writing the epilogue for the last Maple Bay book right now in my series and I'm having a heck of a time writing it <laughs> because the same thing I'm kind of worn out yep um, towards the end of the book so that is a great um a great tip I might have to go back and just start editing and see how the creative juices come as I'm editing right oh, save it for later I know uh, other people who will write it early on the epilogue when they mm-hmm. still have a lot of writing mojo but I am I cannot write out of order I'm just one of those people that yeah very linear like I can't even think about the ending because I'm not there yet so you know I have to do it my way but very cool I'll have to try that. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, Joanne, what did you read for Temptation April? Temptation April. I read Stephanie Bond's About Last Night. Um, and that is another wrong bed. And I'll, I'll tell you what the blurb is because it's just so fun. Bride-to-be Janine Murphy is experiencing more than a few jitters when she thinks about her upcoming nuptials. After all, she and her fiancé haven't even, well, you know. So dressed for success, she lets herself into her fiancé's hotel room for a wedding night preview. Only the irresistibly sexy man she ends up in bed with isn't her fiancé. And there's... And, and that's a tricky one to pull off. You know, they make it sound really cute in the setup on the back. Um, but it's, you know, she's in a committed relationship. And now, you know, there's there's this other stranger there. And Stephanie did a phenomenal job with making that work. And there's a quarantine, which is so relatable now. <laughs> but it's, um, you know, it was something that they needed to to lock down the hotel right away. So it's it's a wrong bed, but it's also forced proximity. So, you know, what starts off as something that could have been, you know, that's kind of titillating thing turns into something much more serious. And I, I think that too is a, a way with a lot of premises that start off fun. You know, they, they sound kind of comedic, but there's, um, there's emotional underpinning to it as well. And these two have a lot of time to get to know each other. And, and Janine is able to really, pick through some of the reasons that she's having trouble with this in this relationship that she's in and really think about it. Um, and that's, that's emotional, deep stuff. It is not just all a sexy romp as, as it kind of sounds from the blurb. It does have that kind of romp sound and the, the cover, the painted cover is absolutely fantastic. And she's got a little blue garter on, on the front and, and her slip is this couple's in bed. Um, it's adorable, but it, but it does have very, deep emotional underpinnings to it as well, which, which I appreciated, you know, you, you want that in a story because that's, that's the glue that's going to make the couple stick. It's not just all about the fun and sexy times. You want to be, feel sure by the time you get to the end of the book that that couple is going to last. We want, especially back then, we wanted happily ever after, not just happy for now. And, and the author really did a good job of making sure we could see why this couple was going to work. And it, it comes out in that quarantine time when they can really get into one another's emotions and their, their problems, their flaws, their, you know, the things that hold them back. Um, so I, I thought that was a great premise. Is that the one where after, after they have sex for the first time, she like, says that oh yeah okay i'll marry you and and he's like well wait wait a second like that's when they realize that they're not who they expect that they're with <laughs> i don't i think that one was um it takes a rebel or um what was the other one because i mixed them up too oh was that too hot to sleep the one where she um yeah i'm not sure yeah it, it sounds it sounds familiar to to yeah. one where yeah then the then the hero's like well wait, wait a second who said anything about marriage <laughs> <laughs> oh but I love it. love it that is uh that is so funny um i read one and three quarters I, i'm almost done with my second one but two from the wrong bed series as well my first one the one that i finished was back in the bedroom by jill chavez Jill is like literally one of my favorite. Oh, she is so great. And this one was this one was fun because it it was part of the wrong bed series, but it it really kind of turned that that it, it took a unique approach to 
to the wrong bed. So we have our heroine, Tessa Delacontro, and she is house-sitting for her very rich boss. There are There's a, a home invasion, and these, these burglars take her and throw her into this, what's like a servant's quarter, essentially, that has just a, a small cot in it. Uh, but who is in there as well is her boss's son, Riley, who had been taken by surprise by these these burglars as well and it was it it was a really kind of uh shocking to have such a um almost violent beginning to this because this you know burglar has his arm around uh, our heroine's throat and you know she's she's about to pass out and everything and and so it was a uh, so a little different for for a temptation but what happens oh, wow. you know what happens when you get forced proximity stuck in a room with uh, you know a sexy stranger in a temptation wrong bed obviously we know what we know what happens well our our hero riley he's um, an ex cia agent so they uh, they die hard their way out of the situation but what's fun about this is so then they have to they have to work together because Tessa works for this, um, it's it's like a temping agency. She works for, you know, different offices here and there. Well, her boss, who decides he's going to play matchmaker a bit, decides to keep assigning her to his son uh, for, uh, <laughs> for her duties. And so continue to have this forced proximity relationship. And the funny thing about the whole bed thing is they had kind of this cot the first night that they were together they try and deny their relationship but then once they can't deny things anymore they are anywhere but a bedroom (laughs) i think it's all the way until the epilogue when they finally you know get to the the title they're back in the bedroom she did a really great job with protector heroes and i you know she wrote for intimate moments a couple of stories as well where it was you know cop heroes and i think we see in her single titles that that she does you know the the mountaineers the firefighters the you know a lot of like adventure loving guys that do like rescue work search and rescue kind of stuff Mm -hmm. Um, you know, she has a, a, she does a really great job with those characters. Oh, that's very interesting. Cause so I'm familiar with Jill Chavez, um, through like the, uh, Wildstone mm-hmm. series. And then I just read her latest, um, well, one of her latest, the backup plan. And so those are definitely like more lighthearted, like not as action packed as this one sounds. So that's really interesting to me. Um, but you're, right I'm trying to think of the title but she she does do a lot of that rescue Mm. type of um hero there's nothing that she can't do well (laughs) let's be honest (laughs) (laughs) she does it all just so well she does I love it I just anything she puts out I pick up yeah so I have to read a harlequin by Jill Shelvis now yes yeah yeah (laughs) she wrote a lot of and she wrote for um the was it flip side is that oh right a line that was uh kind of so those were kind of rom com too, sort of, they're sort of in, oh. in the vein of, of Temptation. I've only read one, uh, one of Jill's books, <laughs> but Joanne, do you have anything that you can add to that? What was, what would you say was the, the difference between Flipside and Temptation? Was it the heat level? Uh, well, it just the, you know, the focus on something kind of fun and funny for for flip side, it was my editor because I worked with Wanda Ottawell after it was Brenda Chin who bought me, but then she passed me to this new editor, Wanda Ottawell, 
who went on to be the senior editor for Super Romance for years. But before that, she was um, in charge of Flipside. And Flipside did not last very long. And, and it's a shame because they were wonderful books. And they before Flipside, there was duets, which tried the same kind of thing to have something that was romantic comedy, mm-hmm. really. Um, and, you know, but duets didn't quite take and they tried it again with Flipside, but it just it didn't last very long, but not for lack of of great books. It was just, I think, trying to find the right readership for them because there were some really funny ones. Tanya Michaels is a friend of mine and she wrote for Temptation as well and has has written kind of all over Harlequin series before she had some really fun ones. Um, And and whatever she does, Tanya just has a very funny voice that is is fun to read. Um, So her, I would recommend her um, for flip sides. And I think she was in duets as well. Well, my other book that I am still finishing up, I'll probably finish it today, was Another Wrong Bed. And this one is Love Me, Love My Bed by Rita Clay Estrada. Oh. This one was has been so funny so far. And the setup is great. So we have our, our heroine, Beth, and she has purchased her essentially like dream desert bedroom setup so it's the bed with the curtains and she's got you know the armoires and everything that go along with it and it's just it's just everything from you know a a desert fantasy romance and she's uh, adoring this this new bed that she's she's got it's the first thing that she's bought after her divorce and she's really ready to to move on and blaze her own trail and her own life past uh, past raising children and and being separated from her husband. Well, she gets a call from the upstairs neighbor who has a very similar last name to her, and he's asking if she's enjoying his bed setup, his new bedroom suite setup, and she has no idea what he's talking about until she walks over to her guest bedroom that she hadn't looked in. And realize that there's a whole other second set of bedroom furniture that's been set up in there that she did not order. And this is more more like, a, what did she describe it as? Uh, a 60s porn fantasy bedroom set. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> the, the mirror above the bed and everything. Yeah. <laughs> Lots of brown leather. <laughs> Oh my goodness. That is quite the setup. Yes. So <laughs> so the wrong bed gets delivered to the wrong apartment. The furniture store that they bought from is going out of business and they're very busy with deliveries and everything. So they can't move the the bedroom set, his bedroom set up for two weeks. And so what do they have to do? Well, being neighborly, she offers that he can just sleep in the guest bedroom, that it's his bed. He doesn't have to bother with a hotel or anything like that. Uh, also, their their grown children or college age children now had gone to school together, so they do kind of know each other just uh, through reputation. But you know, obviously, things happen being roommates, and you know, they see each other out on dates with other people and get jealous and and all of these things. But it's just it has been so funny, just all of the circumstances of like the kids visiting from college and then seeing this person. It's like, what are you doing hanging out with that person's dad? <laughs> <laughs> Definitely, um, like you were saying, Joanne, the the differences, the way that that the authors can mix up the trope of of the wrong bed uh, was yes. very, very yes. interesting. Yep. How many different ways can you do that and still call it a wrong bed, I think is pretty great. Right. I, now I'm curious what, um, 
the author, like how she got the inspiration for that setup for the wrong bed. That that's that's not one I would I would have ever thought of. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Well, so Joanne, was there any kind of like series Bible or anything for the wrong bed, or did the, the no. editors just say, "I oh, just go for it"? Yep, you just went for it with um, with the wrong bed. It just had to fit the premise of of the wrong bed. Somebody ends up in you know, it's, it's not who they thought they were going to be or, um, but it, you had the words to work with and it was let them inspire you however you like. And, you know, ultimately it was up to the editors if they read it and they thought, eh, it doesn't, you know, feel like a wrong bed to us. Very subjective. They could decide to just release it without the wrong bed miniseries flash okay. on it. But they, it was very much up to the the authors to to come up with something and you know it wasn't necessarily like you wouldn't get contracted for a wrong bed um but your editor might ask you you know we don't have any for the wrong bed would you be interested and I was always the one waving my hand because I absolutely that was kind of like my dream thing was to be able to write a wrong bed so I was glad that I had one. Oh, that's wonderful boy that's a series that they should bring back absolutely yes. <laughs> well for sure did we have any final thoughts on the temptation line? I, I'm ready to send all the books to, you know, Netflix and small studios now that they're making, yeah. you know, so much content, um, you know, bringing it to the small screen. I feel like temptation is a treasure trove. I love that idea, Brittany. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, let, let's start pitching some because it. I think, you know, starting with Julie Kistler's Just a Little Fling, which Absolutely. is so visual and, and hilarious it would be really fun. That's, that's my final thought. It was, it was a wonderful series. My, and my final thought is I totally agree with you. <laughs> I would love, I would love to see it. Well, especially because I've only read one so far, but just a little fling, I think it would be a perfect movie. And my, my final thought is I'm just excited to read um, more temptations. So now I need to start, um, looking through and finding out what my next read is. I did actually pick up one more and I started, I started it because I couldn't resist the, the title and the cover, a million dollar stud by Meg Lacey. And, um, it's set on a, a thoroughbred, a horse farm, which got me, but the oh, cover is just, it's just fabulous too, because it's just the hero. And he was like gazing at the camera and he has he has an English saddle on a... On oh, a he is the million-dollar stud. That's yeah. wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He is, it. yes, and he's a billionaire. <laughs> yes. but, um, I'm excited. I just started that one. I'm excited to read more. Yeah, it, it is just a, a, great, a great line that I just... I love the covers. I love the, the themes within them, and they're just... They're such good reads, and I'm sure... I'm sure there's some um, if you if you go and read the the older ones, there might be some questionable things in there. But it seems like the authors, for the most part, did a good job in, uh, you know, I don't know how you have this foresight, but the the books aged well for the most part of in my in my reading of what I've done of Temptation so far. So I think it's just a great line, and just I miss it, even though I wasn't reading them when they were being released. Yes. 
I miss it very much. I, I would love to have a rebirth of temptation, a renewed temptation, even if it was, you know, it would be fun is if Harlequin would do like a, a one year re-release of, you know, to buy all new temptations and just see how that went and bring oh, back yeah. some of the old series. And that would be like, you know, not a huge commitment on their part, but, you know, just kind of like an anniversary special, you know, let's, let's bring back kiss and let's bring back dare and let's bring back flip side or, you know, maybe do like an anniversary year where they, you know, do four um, special books, you know, four flip sides this month and four temptations oh, yeah. next month. Wouldn't that be great? Oh, that would oh, be amazing. That's so fun. And, yeah. Oh my goodness. I would love that. And, and, you know, updated covers with, um, oh, with a step back of some like old cover art, you know, do a modern cover on the front and then do a step back inside. That was a nod to like, if this had come out in 1999, this is what we would have run. Oh, oh my, my gosh. gosh we yeah. would love that. I have a whole shelf of books that I own just for the step backs. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, Joanne, can you tell us what you're working on and where people can follow you online? Yes. Um, finishing up my uh, online read that is going to come out very soon for my Kingsland Ranch story. It's funny, the online reads, they contract out after the series is done. So I turned in all of these books and then they said, oh, we would love it if if readers got another little short story digital free read. And I thought I would love it too, but who am I going to write? So it was fun trying to find a character in the series that I could give a short free read to. Um, and that will be coming out soon. It's I think it's called Midnight in Montana, and that's a free digital read. I wanted to call it Meet Me at Midnight, but there's some other Taylor Swift fan, I think, scooped up that title. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So, but that's that's attached to my Kingsland Ranch series. I just um, finished that up, and that comes out very, very soon, um, I think in May, but as a kind of a prequel to um, The Ranchers Plus One. And where can everyone follow you online? At joeyandrock.com. Brittany, what are you working on right now and where can everyone follow you online? So I am working on um, what I, I, I'm pretty sure is going to be the last book in my Maple Bay series. Um, it's Matched in Maple Bay, which is coming out at the end of August. And like I said, I'm trying really hard to work on the epilogue right now, but I was getting stuck. So I think I'm just going to dive into edits and um, see if I can kind of get the creative juices for it to finish the epilogue as well. You can find me on my, my website is brittanyjoybooks.com and um, all my social media links are on there, but I am most active on Facebook. Well, thank you both so much for joining me for Temptation April. This was such a great chat I had with both of you. Thank you, Erin. I'm so glad to have had the opportunity to share Temptation you know, with you, with Brittany and and hopefully with more readers to, you know, go back and find some old books if you can. They are super fun reads. Yes. Thank you so much for having me on here. And I am, thank you for the recommendation. you both um, on the book and I'm just excited to read more. Well, listeners, check the show notes. You can find all the places you can follow Joanne and Brittany online, as well as where you can find the books that we spoke about here on this show. So go out and read some temptations, everyone.